Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Cannizzaro and Aaron Smith as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Bowl TV. My name is Matt Cannizzaro, and you have tuned in for this week's episode of Inside the OC. Got another fun one today. We're going to talk to an OC and radio legend. Uh, His name is David Waswo. Somebody said, what time is David going to be on the show today? And I didn't know what they were talking about. We know him as the Waz. But first, let's bring in my co-host, Aaron Smith. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I, I'm doing okay. I'm I'm actually a little disappointed right now. You know, our, our guest today, when he ran the Bowler Show, was kind enough to give you your own theme music for when you were on the show. And I come in and I just get my name announced. I don't get any any song, any pomp and circumstance. Just here's Aaron Smith. What's that all about, guy? Well, you get the ear to ear smile, and you get this this one on one time with me. So I don't know that it gets any better than that. That is a fair point. Uh, definitely enjoy our time getting to chat with all these great. Uh, participants of the Open Championships. Uh, but Matt, before we start the show and before we bring the Waz on, I want to take a quick second to uh, to give you some well-deserved recognition for an article that popped up today. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this, but we got Matt Canizzaro. Look at that guy. How about that? World exclusive. It's global now. How about that? I do appreciate that. Uh, Dominic Gall at Talk 10 Pin reaching out and we worked at the world cup together for a few years. And, uh, he said, uh, I'm always the one doing the interviews and how about an opportunity to, to tell my own story. And, uh, that was really cool. So I appreciate that Dom and hopefully he'll tune in and watch a podcast or two. Uh, no doubt, uh, looking forward to seeing him again in 2021 as the world gets back to normal. So Aaron, thanks for sharing that. Uh, folks, if you have an hour or two to read that, uh, I was told it's potentially the longest thing I've ever written. So, uh, we'll see. I, I I take that as a challenge, Aaron. I think I could beat it. This is true. You've been known to uh, put together a word or two for a press release, but uh, it is a great read. You can find it on Matt's uh, uh, fan page, on his Twitter page. There is one part I want to bring up really quick before we before we get to Dave, so I, I highlighted it, so hopefully it still shows up here. Uh, there is this one line that it says, I bet it's pretty frustrating to work with me sometimes. Now, without any context to that, of course it is but I love it anyway still. So with that, that was all about technology anyway. So right. but, uh, Here's the thing. I read that and chuckled when I, when I went through the article, but an excellent job by Dom. Great, great job by you as well. So you, uh, you've definitely earned it over the years uh, with all your great work at the OC. So congratulations, sir. Thank you, sir. Very much appreciated. Uh, and now another gentleman who's had the pleasure of working with both of us in, in various capacities. Uh, let's bring him in again. Uh, his real name is David, but, I don't know that I've ever called him that. From now, for the next hour, we're going to call him the Waz. Yeah, that's uh, if somebody calls me David, it does sound strange, and that is definitely my new favorite picture of you, Matt. And uh, Aaron, although you didn't get your own theme music, uh, you were the unsung hero when you came in and filled in with for Matt when he was chasing down somebody shooting 300 or whatever was going on. So I appreciate you also. Well, thank you. Right, so well, thanks for being here. Yeah. 
We, uh, uh, theme music next time would be great, though. Right. We'll work on it. You bring back the Bowler Show, and uh, and we'll bring back the podcast in 2021, and, and we'll do magical things uh, with all this great technology. But for those who don't know out there in our Bowl TV audience, uh, the Waz, again, hosted the Bowler Show every Sunday afternoon for, uh, it felt like, forever. But uh, it was just four short, fun years, I believe. Uh, so we had a chance every time the Open Championships was happening, uh, there was a segment uh, for us each Sunday evening to talk about the happenings uh, of the OC each week. And it was a lot of fun to, to be able to talk Open Championships. And uh, we'll talk more about the show uh, as we get into our show. Uh, but right now, let's catch up, as we always do, uh, with the Waz here on 2020 Life in Kansas City area. Tell us about that. Uh, you've got the you got the wife and daughter at home, so some quality time, I'm sure. Uh, but what have you been up to uh, personally, and, and how has 2020 been for the family? Well, everything's going pretty good. Luckily, we're able to work from home. Uh, Gabby's doing great. I told her I would wave hi to her, so hi, Gabby. I'm sure she's watching right now. Uh, around these parts, uh, mostly everybody's still bowling. We had the, the two and a half months shut down back in March through uh, May or so. Uh, you know, with a few restrictions, pretty much everybody's open. Uh, leagues are kind of squeezed together a little bit. Uh, some places you can only do four on, um, but we're allowed to do tournaments. And that's what I do here in town with uh, my partner, Mike Adamski, is run tournaments. And mostly we've been able to run them with uh, almost as many people as we want to have. Um, but the conditions are still, you know, you know how it is around the world right now. And around here, we're lucky to be able to bowl. We see other states um, that can't bowl at all, that have restrictions that, you know, allow only a certain uh, amount of people in there. And we try, you know, we try to keep it safe and everything. But around here, that's kind of where we're at. Leagues are doing okay. Bowling alleys are hurting, though, still. Even though they're open, there's so many restrictions, and they shut down at 10 o'clock, and they have a certain amount of people they can have in there. So um, we're, we're – grinding through and my, and my friends who own bowling alleys here in town um they've taken a hit and obviously they hope things get better but uh we're still open and we're still bowling here now without as much bowling and travel and especially early on in this process uh what did you do to to entertain kim and gabby and and you know what did they do to uh, to stay sane with you home and around all the time <laughs> that is a, an extremely good question and probably uh the best answer is not much. Uh, I tried to golf some, of course, when the weather got good. Uh, but, you know, it's just I'm just like everybody else. You, you miss, miss bowling. We miss running tournaments. Um, there's a lot of work to them behind the scenes. A lot of people don't realize until you start doing them. But, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't do a whole lot. I wish I'd have done more. And now I look back and, uh, you know, I see the two versions here of, of guys who took advantage of the, the time off with uh, maybe getting in better shape. And uh, I did not do that, but uh, we spent a lot of time. You know, you spend time together. Like I said, we're, we're lucky. We can work at home. Uh, when I say we, I mean my wife can work at home. Um, <laughs> pretty much a tournament only and uh, take care of Gabby, only guy right now. But as far as getting stuff done, I had a nice list of stuff to do at home. And, and I got a few things done, but not many. Fair enough. Well, we've talked about your current life. Let's turn back the clock a little bit. Talk about your past life. Of course, uh, we know you as uh, as the Bowler Show guy and, and an Open Championships participant. Twenty four times you've been to the OC. But taking it back even further, uh, you're a top competitor in your own right. Back in the day, 
let's talk about that. Tell us about the, the history of the Waz on the lanes. Well, just like uh, a lot of guys, I started when I was real young. My dad got me into the sport. My dad bowled professionally also. Uh, fast forward to getting out of school, I thought I might be a professional golfer at some point. Uh, I got in the golf business, worked uh, three years as an assistant pro at a course, and then realized I didn't really have a, much more of a ceiling. I'd already reached that ceiling and wasn't going to be good enough to even play on some of the smaller tours. So then I started getting better at bowling. Where, where I grew up, uh, the lanes were, you know, hard, and, and oil was placed on the outside of the lane, and the middle of the lane was dry. And, you know, you averaged 180, 190, and, you know, we're going way back. That was a big thing. Um, I came down here and the, the urethane had just came out when I'd graduated and they figured out how to get the scores through the roof. And all of a sudden I started doing better too. And uh, I took a shot at the, at the PBA tour in 1988, I believe it was. Uh, the first tournament actually I bowl was here in town. It was King Louis Open uh, over in Overland Park, Kansas. And uh, I actually qualified ninth, made the match play. Uh, first of all, I had to get through the rabbit squad back then. There was probably 120 people and maybe 10 spots. But anyway, I ended up uh, 23rd in the tournament, and uh, my career kind of went downhill from there. So both for a couple, three years, off and on, uh, mostly during the summer. I'd go out during the summer tour on the West Coast. Um, maybe 40 tournaments I bowled overall, maybe 12 caches, uh, a couple of top 24s, never the show. Uh, since then, you know, I just – bowling leagues and a few tournaments here and there. Um, as you know, I've kind of had to do the righty lefty thing with my knee. Um, like another guy here in town, Luke Rostall just shot 300 with his left hand for the first time. He's had uh, some elbow stuff. So he's had to change too. Um, it's kind of fun going back and forth, you know, and you got to mess with equipment and stuff, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at in bowling right now. I've kind of more focused more on the tournaments and uh, bowl a league or two each week. Now, when the PBA tour ended for you, uh, talk about that decision. You already mentioned your career highlight came right away, uh, but then uh, you chased the dream for a couple of years out there, uh, and then it was it was time to move on. Uh, talk about that decision and, and, and where you went at that point. Well, it, it was time to make a decision of, you know, hey, can I get enough money to go out full time? Uh, that was really going to be the only way I was going to have a chance to um, – compete at a little bit higher level back back then when you first went out it would take two or three years to kind of get acclimated to the tour and, and become a, a good bowler you know nowadays these kids come out of college and bang they're winning right away um you know things have changed a lot since then so i decided to to go back to a real job uh and start working at a wholesale bowling supply uh the place was called anchorman sales here in town it was second or third largest distributor in the country. And I did that for about four years uh, until my dream job came up. And uh, I always wanted to be a dealer uh, in a casino. And I never knew that the casinos would come to me. And in 1994, when they did, I knew that I was out. So I stayed at, uh, at Harris for about 20 years. Uh, actually left one time in 99, went back out on tour and... Gave it one more shot and was in East Brunswick, New Jersey at Carrier Lanes. And that's when I hurt my knee. I did it in a night block. Never, never felt like I did it on the approach or anything. I got back in the hotel and my, my knee was killing me. And I thought, well, I'll just sleep it off. I was 34 at the time. Just sleep it off, come back in the morning. And it didn't work that way. I had to, I had to withdraw from that tournament. 
And uh, actually, I was out there. It's a little sidelight story to the to the overall story. I was out there uh, in New York, and the next tournament was in New York also. So I told my wife back home first. I said, hey, I'm coming home. I, I've hurt my knee. Then I said, hey, I could bowl a PBA tournament left-handed. I had no pain in my right knee, and I could slide on that. So I bowled a tournament. Actually, the first block I bowled left-handed, I was even for the block. The night block, I was about 180 under. <laughs> so the next morning, I said I was bowling right-handed no matter what, and I was 180 over, and I got back to even. So kind of had a, a tricky little thing there, but I came back home after that, and to be perfectly honest, the knee's – been a problem ever since. So about every three years, I go back to a left-handed. And as I said earlier, uh, it kind of, it's kind of fun. It kind of, I don't know if I'd say rejuvenates me, but it's kind of fun to know, Hey, I've got this coming up and I can, I can change and uh, have a little more fun on the lanes. Versatility is the key. You mentioned uh, spending some time as a dealer. What, uh, what games did you deal? I pretty much dealt all of them except for mini Bach and, and pie gal, I wanted to stay away from those games. Those were were not fun. Craps was my favorite to deal. It's the most, you know, game that changes the most. When you when you're dealing blackjack, it's the same same thing, same motions. You know, nothing really changes a whole lot. Uh, in craps, anything can happen, and you can get real busy. Night goes faster. Just a lot more action, a lot more uh, interaction with the people. And then uh, I also dealt poker. And somewhere around mid 2000s, they decided that you had to choose between poker or in all the other games in the casino. They were splitting it off. But if you chose poker, you got to keep your own tips. So at that point, I chose poker. And uh, for that reason, and dealt that probably the last 10 years of time at Harris. So uh, I got a lot of experience in those games. And I, I'm not ruling out ever going back to, to that. But the, the hours and stuff like that uh, kind of wore on me after a while. And that's... Uh, kind of why I'm doing tournaments around town now. I hear you. I, uh, I have a small gap of time during my OC tournament career of working where uh, I, too, took up the dealing uh, pastime. So I worked at a horseshoe up in northwest Indiana for about a year and a half. Uh, blackjack and pie gals. So between us, we're, you know, we got most of the bases covered here. But, uh, but yeah, so I kind of uh, can relate to some of those stories. The thing I can't relate, though, to is uh, trying to see the lane left-handed versus seeing the lane right-handed. So, uh, you know, when you were going through that, you know, I can talk to Matt about that all day, but I have no idea what he's ever saying because I'm not left-handed. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for you going through that process, what's, what you know, just how different does the lane look for you from when you're right-handed versus when you're left-handed, or does everything kind of correlate after time and you just kind of see the same shapes, see the same kind of everything? It's uh, two, two different worlds. Um, right-handed, I throw it slow, hook the lane. Left-handed, I throw it as about as straight as you could possibly imagine. And I don't know if that has anything with to do with, uh, you know, my knee or, or what it is, but it, it doesn't look the same at all. Um, I can joke around, obviously, uh, to me on house. Yeah, uh, overall, lefty's going to have an advantage on sports shots, uh, tournaments, uh, not so much overall. So, uh, it's fun to be able to kid back and forth with some of the bowlers. If I throw a Brooklyn, I can say, "Hey, I don't know, that's that's my pocket sometimes," so I can use that. But yeah, they're they're two different worlds. Um, it's the average is overall, I would say, is probably five, maybe ten pins lower, and it's house specific too. I, I don't I don't branch out and really bowl any tournaments left handed. 
but it, it's it's I don't know. Just it gives like you said, ball roll. I don't think about it a lot, but when I try to throw some new releases, I think you know when I'm bowling left hand, I think man, I wonder what that would do if I was hooking the whole lane like I do right handed. I mean, not so much anymore, but I still hook it a lot more, and it's it's slower. Um, but it's it's you know it takes a maybe a month to get back into it. Left handed spares. Uh, not so much. That takes a while. while uh, right-handed spares. I throw, I watching me throw spares right-handed is an adventure. I, it's, I'm actually very good at it. I throw back up at a lot of shots, uh, one-handed. And, uh, it's probably, it's one of the best things I ever did for my spare game. Uh, you know, 10 pins, I might miss them here and there, but I never think I'm going to miss one. You, you know, it's like right-handed. You just use the whole lane, and then usually on house, it finds its way over there. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say, hey, that's great that you do that at the 10-pin, but it's actually been more valuable for washouts, uh, 310s, 369-10s. Really, the only spare that I leave that I can chop is the 245 because whichever way, you know, the 610 or the 47, I go at it, you know, towards it, and I can't chop it, so... Uh, it's actually a pretty valuable thing that, that I picked up, and it saved me some pins. There you have it. Uh, very fruitful being left-handed. I, I remember those days well. And uh, and Aaron Smith, you mentioned the, the casino uh, stint that you had. I'm glad you finally realized that there really is nothing better than this, uh, and you came back. So uh, I can't it's argue not that. always greener. <laughs> cannot argue that. All right. Well, very cool. Uh, very cool story. I certainly wanted to hear more about that lefty righty thing. That's uh, that's a nice to have. I think most of us have enough trouble being good at one of them, but uh, to be tournament quality at both, that's uh, that's pretty phenomenal as well. Uh, and now, overall, uh, I believe you're you're a sports guy, uh, and then that transitions, I think, more to to your your radio background and some of the things that you do uh, outside of what you've already mentioned. Tell us about that, and then we'll talk about the creation of the bowler show, which is, uh, which is pretty awesome. And, and really the reason that uh, we're all here today right now. Yeah, that's a good segue because uh, I've been real lucky in life with jobs as we've just talked about the golf course, the casino and the bowling alley. My three favorite things to do are to golf, to gamble and to bowl. So I've never had a job outside of any of those three venues. So I've been, I've been very lucky. I've always, uh, been able to go to work and never think about it as work. Of course, you know, casino, especially times where, you know, you're working pretty hard. And even uh, at the at the warehouse uh, for Anchorman sales, uh, it was the same thing. It was, you know, there's a lot of work, but it's it's rewarding. You're in the field that you you want to be in. And even now doing the tournaments, I feel like, hey, I'm, you know, this is what I want to do. I've never had a job where, you know, I was in a, a cubicle or or, you know, had to dig ditches or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just, I'm not, I would not be good at that. Um, I've been lucky to, to do those and being in sports um, that led to the original, I don't want to jump ahead here, but that led to the original show, which was called the sports schmucks. And that's how the, the bowler show ended up spawning away. But um, my love of sports goes way back. My dad, same thing, you know, as he was bowling, uh, he watched everything, football, baseball, basketball, you name it. So, Always been into sports, been lucky. As I said, once uh, once we started getting on the radio, started getting credentials for the Chiefs, credentials for the Royals, and, uh, you know, that was a great perk. So I, I've been real lucky and, and, to be honest, very blessed to be able to, to work in those uh, avenues, that all three that I like. 
Well, I, I've been unfortunate enough to be called a schmuck multiple times uh, in my <laughs> life as well, and that's just a fun word to say as well. So it always gets a gets a smile out of the crowd. But uh, uh, very cool, uh, of course, and uh, you definitely have the radio voice. Some of us not as fortunate, uh, and that's why we became writers. But uh, but here we are, technology and evolution, and uh, we get to do a little bit of everything. And, and the folks, uh, well, they have to accept it for what it is. But uh, definitely. You could tell in talking to you, 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 you've got that radio personality and that's, uh, it's always fun to listen to. Well, I appreciate that. I got the, uh, the face for radio too, is, is, is what a lot of people say. Uh, and I, I remember introducing you and, and saying the dulcet tones of Matt Canizaro. So you have a distinctive voice also. I mean, that's I mean, a good I mean, word, distinctive. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think anybody likes to hear their voice. It, it seems like when you're talking, you're like, or you hear a replay, that's that's probably the worst. And you think either, boy, why, I really sound like that? And that's somebody else says, oh, you sound fine. So, um, you know, until you hear it, you know, you can hear yourself now talking and like, that sounds normal, but otherwise uh, maybe not so much. Well, I did always know that once the entrance music was over, that was really all going to be downhill for me on my segment on the Bowler Show. But uh, um, tell, us, tell us about the show and, and how it began and, uh, I know I didn't come in right at the beginning, so there was, there was some growth there uh, before I received my invitation. But uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, before uh, the Bowler Show came about, there was uh, the original show, as I said, the Sports Schmucks. And I got an idea thinking, hey, last 20 minutes of the show, we can just do a bowling segment and get a sponsor for that here in town. Uh, we can have a lot of fun with that. I mean, you know, I can get a guest. I had some connections from obviously bowling on tour and, and knowing a lot of bowlers. And I thought, hey, why not? Let's take a let's take 20 minutes of the show. It was a two-hour show, so no big deal. And we'll have a, a bowling segment. So we did that. We got a lot of good feedback, and I started talking to some other sponsors. And the next thing you knew, we decided to split up the Sports Muck show and the bowler show into an hour of each. So our guys who were doing the other show could do an hour of sports and then they would leave and then they'd leave me alone uh, along with my technical guy and we would do an hour of bowling. Well, it, it's went from there and it spawned off even, even more to where we decided, Hey, we're going to need two full hours of the bowler show. And uh, we looked around for a, a domain for that name for a long time and, and could not find a, a good name that wasn't already taken. So somehow nobody had the bowler show. So, uh, we went with that. That pretty much uh, opened up some doors for some new sponsors because you could, you know, differentiate that from the other sports stuff we were doing in town, you know, with the Chiefs and the Royals and reporting on those and, and doing that kind of stuff. But the actual bowler show, um, you know, it, it opened up some avenues for for, Storm, for Logo Infusion, uh, for Storm, uh, for uh, – some other brands to come on as sponsors and, and to get, you know, my foot in the door and talk to some people and uh, help out with the show. You know, there uh, are expenses, you know, radio time that people don't even have any idea what, you know, what it costs just to get that on the radio. And besides the equi little equipment stuff, um, that's kind of where, you know, we had some issues at first, but yeah, we, we decided you know, we took a little break. We were on the air from probably 2009 to 13, took a break. Uh, and then we came back, and then uh, Matt's predecessor was Matt McNeil. Uh, of course, uh, Matty McConnor score is dubbed by Matt Canizaro originally, I believe. And uh, Matt was giving us updates from, 
I believe it was Reno that year. Either way, it was from Nationals, of course. And it was, you know, I thought, well, this is an invaluable thing. And then uh, Matt couldn't do it. We looked around for everybody else uh, in the bowling world, and, and we came up with Matt Canazaro. There you go. And, uh, uh, I appreciate corner. that. <laughs> Canazaro's corner was was born. Obviously, he's the perfect fit there. He's right on site every year. Um, you know, he told us, hey, this, this week, uh, so-and-so shot this. There's a new leader in doubles. This guy uh, has a hundred thousand pins. Those, which my, those were always my favorite updates. Uh, you know, you know, you're going to have lead changes, and when an ABR comes in there, whoever eleventh frame, uh, they're going to do their thing. But uh, seeing those guys get out on the lanes, uh, I was there for probably Glenn Allison's last year, uh, and just seeing him out there and bowling. Um, uh, Bill Lillard, I believe, right, went over a hundred thousand pins here recently. Is that correct? Uh, he set the pinfall record in 2015. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that right. The, the so I, I enjoy I enjoy those moments. I know you guys uh, interacting with these guys. You know when they when they show up, you get to you get to see everybody who comes in. But I don't know about you guys, but for me, those those were my favorite moments. Well, now we heard a minute ago the 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 alarm in the background was that the breaking news from the, like the bowling underground getting to <laughs> tell you the next segment for the bowler show. Uh, it's a text. Somebody saying you're a star. I, I don't think I would quite <laughs> mean in that context. I, I thought my phone was, it is on silent. How that went through. I don't know. It's magic or something, but that's a, a typical rookie mistake, even leaving your phone on. But, uh, with Gabby, I like to still leave it on, but, uh, I remember many times and many, you know, tr tech troubles that we had back in the day. Uh, you leave your phone on all of a sudden it's like, you know, you learn that the first day, leave your phone off. Speaking of hey, which, there it is. All right. You remember. I'm going to shut this down so it uh, doesn't become the focal point of the conversation. I, I do believe on one episode of the Bowler Show, uh, one of your guests uh, was driving somewhere and had uh, had the navigation system telling you exactly where he was and where he was turning along the way. Uh, some that, people are just so rude. That that was one of my favorite episodes with you. That was, uh, that was interesting. Has the... Uh, assistant in the background on your phone was telling you, uh, Hey, you're this far away, take this turn, whatever. And, uh, I mean, how many moments did we have on the show? I mean, you, you try to avoid all that stuff and you think, and, you know, especially on our end with the technical part. And to be honest, when, whenever I interviewed bowlers, you know, they're on the road, they, you know, they, they go out of range. Uh, that happened all the time and they come back and apologize. I'm like this, you know, this happens all the time. So, um, but that, that was, you know, that's some of the challenges of, of live radio and you just fix it the best you can. Sometimes you don't even get the people back. You got to fill in time. And, uh, but no, we, we had a lot of moments on the show. A um, couple of my favorites that you would do just time to time. I bring up something and Aaron, you probably remember uh, Matt doing this. I would bring up something about Matt, maybe the Florida Gators, something like that. And the next thing you know, he'd post my 24 year, a dubious record of not doing so well at the open championships on my Facebook wall. Does it, so does it look like that? That Hey, that has the power yeah. right on. <laughs> that is uh that is rather embarrassing. I think I got a 1960 in there somewhere and uh, you could cut it off in Albuquerque at 2000. If you like, That's, uh, I have no problem. With that. How did you have that ready? You are, you are, the consummate professional, sir. I, hey, I, I tell you, we do the research. Aaron does. Aaron does the the behind the scenes stuff, and it's like magic. That's it. The the perfect tandem. 
Yeah, I, we've got plenty more. We're going to look at that multiple times during the show as we get into the OC part of it. I, I appreciate that. I, I never get the, uh, I don't know, the secret Wisconsin shot. Or uh, To be honest, our team has a lot of fun out there. We just we never break them down, right? So I'm blaming, I'm blaming those scores you posted on that. Well, we'll, uh, we'll take a deeper dive into those numbers here in a few minutes. Uh, right now, let's talk some more uh, about the Bowler Show again. Uh, it was a, a great idea to have Matt McNeil on to talk about what he was seeing on site at the Open Championships. It also meant that for at least those 20 minutes every week, you didn't have to worry about uh, getting a guest or, or many technical difficulties or, or thinking too much about what was going to happen in that time frame. Uh, how did that come about? How did that conversation start things? And you know, you locked them in, and and then I was lucky enough to be able to take over. But uh, that had to take some some weight off the shoulders a little bit as far as the show prep. Absolutely, and and for the last year or so the of the show, uh, Mark London would come on at six forty every week, and he kind of covered another uh, area, and and we talked bowling and uh, some other things, of course. But uh, as far as Matt McNeil, to be perfectly honest, I don't remember how it came up originally. I remember thinking it'd be a great idea to have somebody from on site uh, doing that. And uh, I, I really don't remember the conversation, but I remember Matt, you know, being willing just as you were, uh, even though you've got a, a thousand other duties going on, you know, the tournament's going on as we were on the air. Uh, there was always somebody bowling, of course, at that time. And it just seemed like, Hey, this is just the perfect fit. And, and it was, and, you know, uh, to schedule around you, you know, I would get some people during the week, but back when they had shows on Sunday, you know, I kind of want to wait for that winner. So I'd try to get the winner of whoever was bowling that week back when they had shows on Sunday. And, you know, that was probably the biggest challenge. And that, to be honest, towards the end, that's probably where the downfall of, of the bowler show this last time came from. Was it, I don't know if I'd say stagnant, but it just got to a point where it's kind of interviewing the same people and kind of just letting you going through the going through the motions. And with the tour kind of being uh, chopped up here and there, you know, as you know, they weren't doing weekly tournaments. Of course, they were putting three and four and sometimes more tournaments together at the same time, which obviously obviously is something they had to do for TV and, and for people, you know, overseas and stuff. But it, it made it challenging for us to get, uh, you know, good guests on every week. And, I you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, having, having you and Mark, and especially you being at the, the championships, even, even when you weren't, um, you know, we'd, we'd still have you on here and there. Um, I know a lot of people think you work four and a half months of the year, and then uh, you have a seven and a half months vacation. I will vouch that that is not the case. Um, but as far as us, you were on a seven and a half semi-vacation but you would come on whenever we needed you but um just having you there i mean I, I how else you know i could read off off the event page or whatever saying hey uh x took the lead you know this guy's uh done whatever but having you there you know i'll i'll just say it out loud how having you there was invaluable to the, sh to the show well, I appreciate that, and I will say that uh, this time tomorrow I should have an Excel document that definitely will support uh, the fact that it's more than just four and a half months a year uh, <laughs> as we, we look at our 2021 schedule. So I uh, appreciate all that. Uh, and now, besides uh, the mats, uh, you, you had a chance to talk to a lot of great bowlers, and, and you know whether it was because they just did something amazing uh, or because they were amazing, uh, no doubt some starstruck moments for you, but can you, can you rattle off? And I see a question in the chat from Craig Elliott 
who's your favorite guest. But uh, any favorite guests or favorite moments uh, or stories from, from over the years uh, that really stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, it, we had so many, as you said, you know, great bowlers. Pretty much, you know, there's maybe a handful of, of male bowlers that were – that I never did get on the show, but I got most of them that, that bowled during my time back in the eighties. And of course, um, you know, during the, the 2010s, but nobody will ever compare to, to the time that I had Carmen Salvino on and Carmen would, you know, he would talk to you like, like you were best friends. And every time I would ask him a question, I would he would say, you know what, David, and he would preface that every time. And he would even say yes, sir, and no, sir. And uh, I just, I remember that part, but obviously he could have came on the show and, and talked for two hours, but just listening to him, he, he has so much respect for the game, even now, um, you know, with some of the, ch- you know, the changes, the two handers, not all the old school guys are necessarily um, on board with that. Uh, Carmen didn't care how you, how you threw it down the lane, but just listen to his, some of his old school stories. You know, I just sit back and, I'd say, okay, let me, you know, this is your forum now and then take as much time. And I believe he stayed for two segments. One time I had him on. So he was on for 40 minutes and, and could have talked the whole time, but talking to legends of the game like that, Johnny Petraglia. Um, I mean, I could go on and on Mark Roth. We had on, uh, it, it was, you know, it, sometimes you feel like, you know, how am I able to talk to these guys? And, and it's, it, that to me was the probably biggest reward was, uh, giving a venue to these people to talk about bowling. You know, they're really at that time, especially uh, there weren't too many podcasts or even, you know, uh, there was one or two other shows, I believe at the time, but given bowlers, you know, even especially up and coming ones. And, and like when the PBA came back and or PWBA came back in 2015, that was probably one of my favorite moments because that opened up a, another, another venue for me to get some new guests. Not that I couldn't have some of those pros on before, but now it made it relevant. And so a lot of the events, uh, there was three or four around town here uh, that were close enough to drive to. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I'd have them on right after the show. So, though, you know, Carmen Salvino's number one. And, uh, you know, you know, and even some kids I had on the show, they do something even locally or nationally. And seeing some of these guys grow up. And like I said, nowadays they come out of college and boom, they're they're ready to get on the lanes. They're not ready to cash. They're ready to win. And a lot of them have. I mean, some people, I mean, Simonson feels like he's 35 years old to me. <laughs> I, I think he's 22 now or something. I mean, he's probably 25, 26, maybe. Uh, he seems like he's been around forever, but these guys just come out and they're ready to win. And to be able to to talk with them, uh, either right after the the win or, or somewhat, you know, somewhere close, um, it, was always, it was always fun for me, you know, because, you know, that's something – that they didn't have before, you know, they could talk right after on TV or whatever, but uh, to take 20 minutes and, and speak about it and explain some of the things that happened in the band that, you know, you would never think of. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Now, other than the opportunity to talk to all these great folks and build some friendships and relationships and such, uh, I think the show gave you a little bit of a, a legendary status of your own to the point where, you can go out and be recognized every once in a while. And, and that helps you go on to other things uh, like charities and different things that, that uh, are really great for the industry and just great in general, uh, help you get together with guys like Adam Barta uh, and do some really beneficial and special things. Tell us about those things. 
uh, that maybe we don't hear as much about, but all of those things may be coming because of this and, and some of the, the paths that you've taken in your career. Well, let's start off with two things. Uh, legendary is probably uh, pushing it, but obviously I wouldn't be on this podcast right now without the bowler show. I would be uh, just another bowler that, uh, you know, does some, does some extra stuff for bowling. Uh, you know, I, I look at it, I'm sure I'll look at it when I'm even older with the bowler show and think that was, that was something I'm really glad that I was able to do. Um, Adam and I got together a couple of years ago, uh, for an event, uh, it was just Barta versus Waz and it was in his house. Uh, we did a charity event there, um, and for two, two separate families and him and I, we, I think we raised about $10,000 for the two families and, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. It was a, a race, uh, to 80 strikes for him and he gave me a 15 strike handicap. Uh, to 65 and it was just throw as fast as you possibly could and I, I don't know 10 15 minutes in I was just praying he had 80 strikes I knew I wasn't beating him he was striking at will and and I wasn't uh I wasn't doing so well physically let's put it that way it's it's until you've done it you don't realize when you don't stop um how hard it gets after about 10 or 15 minutes so Adam said the same thing afterwards we, we had a lot of fun with it but just having that venue uh, with with Adam to be able to do that, uh, you know, we're, we're rematch here sometime. It just didn't work out with the all the COVID stuff going on. We couldn't have another event this year uh, for two families in Kansas City that uh, we raised four thousand dollars for the two families. We did a a doubles tournament, had a lot of fun with that. Uh, you know, you can't thank the people that that help you out uh, enough because you know some people just give and and give and and give some more. And, you know, you can't do it without them. But having that venue from the bowler show, I uh, actually did uh, three uh, bowler show doubles tournaments before this one. Had some PBA pros. Uh, as I said before, they came through town. So uh, I had Missy Parkin and Clara Guerrero did the first one. Uh, Alicia Current and Lindsay Boomershine did the second one. And then the third one was Amanda Green and Brandy Branca. So. Um, they added a lot. We were able to say, hey, these guys are going to be here, uh, come bowl with the, the lady professionals. And uh, we raised a lot of money at that time for the Willie Pollard Scholarship Fund. Uh, the man who used to own the, the local bowling alley where I lived uh, passed away a while back. So we did that. So I probably wouldn't have done any of that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I probably wouldn't have done any of those tournaments, any of those charity events without the bowler show, kind of spurring that on originally. Um I'm 100% sure I, I really probably would never would have got into that. But now that I've done it, I've tried to do one a year. Uh, it's been a little bit challenging here lately, as we said, with what's everything that's going on. But uh, we're going to plan on doing doing the same thing next year and hopefully uh, getting back with Adam again, too. And speaking of Mr. Barda, he, uh, he dropped by the comments. So there he is right there. Hey, buddy, love you. Love you, too, Adam. You got a profile pick. There you go. Adam Barta on the cover of Bowler's Journal Magazine. Celebrating that with the world. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, do so. Subscribe. Get the, all those issues in your mailbox, and you never know who's going to end up in the cover. So uh, talk about scraping. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was awesome. Adam Barta and, and Waz, you guys, uh, what you've done for those charities and what uh, you guys continue to do is awesome. Much appreciated. Uh, and in a perfect way, both of you guys, celebrities in the bowling industry, uh, awesome to be able to give back and uh, and and do that. So, uh, but 
as a celebrity now, we'll uh, we'll transition a little bit here. Uh, we already got a look at your Open Championships record, but uh, this is the Inside the OC podcast, uh, so we're going to talk about the OC a little bit. But now that you are a celebrity in the bowling world, eyes will be on you when you return to the lanes at the OC. You know that. It's happened for, uh, as far as I can remember, going back to at least 2016. Got a photo of you showing up at the Bowler's Journal. Uh, and then uh, when it's time to go, you know, we talked before we went on air about uh, your videos uh, on, on the approach uh, at the Open Championships. And, of course, uh, you know you're going to see it here in a minute. So before we talk about your career, let's talk about one of the best shots of your career. Back in 2017, Las Vegas, South Point Bowling Plaza. Here it is. David Waswell stepping up on the approach. Wheeling it. There you go. Uh, that was me posting the shot, as you could see. Uh, not really posting, but uh, pointing at Brian when I turned around. Like I said, it was, uh, it was a surprise. There was a person on my approach, but as you saw, I'm – only a few steps on the approach, but uh, that was great, great technical work there. I like, I like that. Well, if it takes the camera to uh, to get the strikes out of you, just let us know. Just grease the pockets <laughs> a little bit. We'll be out there. We'll record the whole thing personally, uh, and then uh, it'll be a career year for you. Uh, but let's let's turn it back once again uh, to the start of your Open Championships career. Uh, it goes way back, way back, almost to before Aaron Smith. Uh, because uh, you are now uh, a uh, a vibrant 55 years old, I believe is the number. So going back to your debut, happened in 1987 in Niagara Falls, New York. Probably not a, a more beautiful place that you could have had your debut. So if the if the host city wasn't a selling point to want to come back and see what was coming up next in Jacksonville in '88, uh, certainly uh, just in general, uh, very cool to see that venue. Tell us about 1987 uh, and your debut. Uh, what got you there, what it was like, what you expected going in, uh, and how you felt walking out? Well, it's funny because I wrote down some notes about some of my favorite moments at the championships, and I forget the, that very first year, uh, Niagara Falls, we flew in the day of the tournament. We had a 1030 team squad that night. And, of course, now I would never fly in the day of, but we flew in the day of. And we flew Northwest Airlines. I remember stopping in Cleveland or Cincinnati or somewhere. And they said, hey, you can't. You're not going on to Niagara Falls. And we said, you know, what, what's going on? They sent us back to their hub in Minneapolis. So we went back to Minneapolis, then flew to Niagara Falls. And we got there. It was too late. So there was three of our team members that didn't make it. They put three subs with them and they bowled their team squad. So we bowled the team squad the next day. They put two guys on our pair. We thought, well, you know, we'll see what happens here. And these guys shot like 650 apiece, and, and we shot pretty good. And I think we shot like 3050. Uh, it's probably the second highest team I've ever been on. So it's kind of a funny story. And, and I had forgotten that until you until you brought that up. So uh, 1987 was the debut. Um, I mean, you pretty much put a, a lot of stories with each each year, but uh, probably my fa most favorite story was from 2000. Uh, I believe that was in Albuquerque. As uh, you posted that, I looked at that uh, 1960. But uh, back then, they had a, a 159 and a 369 jackpot, I believe it was. And my buddies were saying, "Hey, it's 10 bucks. You got to get in." I said, "I'm not getting in that. I'm, I don't throw enough strikes out here." 
And he said, hey, you got to get in. It's $16,000. I said, it can't be that high. And back then they didn't they didn't split it up, you know, at the end of the year. It was cumulative. And when you showed up, it might be, you know, that squad only it might be zero or it might be a large amount. So I said, okay, for $10, I'll get in there. And the second game of doubles, I go one five nine, one five nine, and one five, and now I'm on the hill. Now I'm on the hill of, of breaking the pot. So I told my buddies, I said, "Hey, you know, we were splitting 50, 25, 25. And I told my buddies, I said, "Hey, this is going to hit the head pin. This is not going right. You go right, you got no chance." I said, "I don't care where this goes. It's going to hit the head pin." So I threw it right down the middle. It perfect Brooklyn strike. We're we're celebrating like we just won. $16,000. So people are looking around and what, what's going on? You know, I'm working on 240 or something. And they, they can't tell. And one of the lane monitors came over and said, hey, what, what's, what's going on? I said, hey, I just broke the the 369 or 159. I don't even remember which one it was, but they said, uh, well, it's it's like $1,600. And I said, I said no, it's 16000 My buddy said it was 16000 and he had looked at it wrong. Uh, so $1,600. With that squad money that was in there was like another four hundred. So we got two thousand. I got a thousand. They got five hundred each. But the part of the story you don't think about is I was on the approach, thinking this one ball is for sixteen thousand dollars, and my friends are involved for a four piece. So uh, that was probably the most pride I ever had in any bowling shot. That's one of my favorite stories because we had just come from Las Vegas before uh, we flew out to Vegas uh, for a friend's wedding. And, of course, uh, it wasn't just about the wedding. We may have gone to the casinos and not done well. So when we uh, when we hit that, we were we were chest bumping back when I could possibly do that. We were chest bumping and uh, saying, hey, we're going back to Vegas. We're going to get our money back and all this stuff. And then uh, the lane monitor kind of let us know that uh, we had added a zero in there. But it was still it was still a good moment. It's still obviously a, a good hit. But uh, that thinking that one shot for 16000 was uh, that was a lot of fun. And so now I know if I ever need somebody to throw the shot for the, for the money, you're the guy to call. Um, But uh, definitely, I think some of our best stories that we hear come from things that happen off the lanes as well. You mentioned the the Las Vegas trip and going back to 1987, Niagara Falls. I just wonder uh, after two visits of the open championships there, I wonder if they ever drained the falls, how many bowling balls they might find. I don't know what security was like in the eighties, uh, but who knows uh, walking off the lanes, how many bowling balls went down the falls as well. But uh, we've seen it in some cities. I think Atlantic city in the forties, 1949, I think they had a ramp. You could just launch it right into the ocean when you were done. Oh, bowling wow. too. Uh, it certainly saves on, uh, on baggage fees, I guess. So it's, it's one way to do it. I know the, the, uh, the, depending on the airline, of course, uh, 49 and a half or, or 50 and a half can, can be a, uh, a big difference in your shipping costs. So uh, getting rid of them. Um, I, I, I'm not going to tell any of those stories on here. I don't remember doing it at the OC. I think I always think that I'm going to maybe not do as great as I do back home and uh, don't get that upset out there. But uh, there may have been a bowling ball launch down a, down a road once or twice. Very nice. Well, uh, after that debut, you made it back for a couple of years. You made it to 1991. And then that would coincide as we talked earlier uh, about your your choice to to leave the PBA tour and, and go on to to other endeavors, uh, and again your return in 2000 again would coincide. You mentioned uh, giving the PBA a shot back in '99, so the timing's just right. Uh, you came out. You must have been uh, practicing a lot coming in, or just a different guy, or learned a lot as you got older. But uh, 2000, you mentioned the big jackpot. Also, 
your career year at the Open Championships, 1960 was your all events total uh, in your return. Uh, tell us about that and the kind of the, the decision to come back and the preparation that went into it uh, and then to be able to, to put a number up like that uh, your first time back. Well, I, I missed it. And it, to me, it's still I'm like most bowlers. It's once a year and you get there and it's it's nine games and it's 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 done all of a sudden. You know, you feel like you've waited a whole year for this day and, you know, nine games later, all of a sudden, you know, a day or a day and a half, it's, it's over. So uh, you put so much into it uh, right before between, you know, as far as practice and, and, you know, the logistics of getting there and getting teams together and stuff like that. That Sometimes um, the bowling, it's not it's never secondary, but sometimes you don't get, you know, you don't work together enough. And I think, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. That's something you have to do out there. But yeah, it was fun coming back and and you know competing well there. Uh, it, it's kind of an, an anomaly to me because I I feel like there's some tournaments around town, uh, some bigger tournaments, uh, IB Open and stuff where I've competed pretty good on some harder stuff. I have always had trouble at, at the Open Championships. I don't think it has anything to do with nerves, uh, anything like that. Um, but I just have, I, I, I wouldn't say matched up because you, you know, in most years what it's going to be like out there, it's always going to be hard. And, uh, normally you're going to have to play in, but in, you won't have much room. You've got to be accurate. And, uh, I would never say that I was the most accurate bowler ever by any means. I, I, I don't know if I'd say I'm a water sprinkler, but I, I need a little room each way. Um, but that, that year of 2000, that was just the perfect year. I, I hit the bold well, hit the jackpot. And I guess it's, it kind of emulates my pro career it, after the comeback. Uh, haven't had as good a year since, um, as, as we've joked about on the show many times, uh, the 17, I think 1770, maybe three, four years ago, um, was fairly good for what I had been shooting. Some of the, the scores that you posted and hopefully never put up on this screen again. Oh, for, they're they're but, coming back for sure. I'm sure it will be, and uh, I'll remember that in 21 when the, the Bowler Show comes back. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. I, I own it. I never – you know, there's not there's nothing to blame out there. You know it's going to be hard, and, you know, other than a, a couple of years and the last maybe 25. It's, you know, it's going to be hard, and I just haven't matched up well overall. Just haven't bowled well overall, and, uh, you know, but it's it's more, more than that. You get out there – we've always gotten out there – three or four days beforehand and made it the last part of our uh, trip. Now we're trying to kind of put it more in the middle to where it's not the end. And, uh, you know, you're saving all your money for brackets, you know, Hey, I'm not going to go out and gamble last night, whatever. I think it's better to do it that way. And we have a lot more fun that way. And uh, you know, the venues and and I won't get into that too much. I I just, I love Reno and Vegas and I know some people want to go to different cities and you know, it is what it is. I, I really love the stadium. And I love South Point also, and of course I like what's what's going on around it. So I, it doesn't bother me. I like I like going to Reno and Vegas, and uh, you know I, I'm not going to get into that too much. But anyway, the the overall thought for me, you know, just just the stadium to me, it's different than any convention center we bowl in, or even South Point. Uh, the stadium is is what it is, and it was built for that. Uh, and, and to me, it's just a different experience. And you know exactly where everything is. Uh, I know where your offices were at the at the time, uh, next to certain places. And, uh, you know, it's the stadium's just different. And being able to walk to it, never having to worry about, uh, hey, we got to load all our stuff up. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to get the group together. 
you know, you just text them, say, Hey, we're going to go bowl the bowler journal, whatever we're going to go bowl. And, and you did it. So for me, um, I love, I love the, uh, I love Reno and I love the, the bowling stadium. Now performances aside, uh, you have come back uh, almost every year since your return. We appreciate that. Of course. Uh, and as you know, and have described very well, it's not always about the prize money and the Eagles. There's so much else uh, that these trips are about. Uh, but now you're on the verge of 25 years. The next time we see you, uh, you'll be receiving a 25-year plaque. That's pretty special. And, again, it may not be an eagle, but it's something that bowlers strive for at the OC. It's, uh, it's very important and, and, uh, and memorable. Tell us what that means to you to, to get to 25 years and to know how many folks you've been able to celebrate with over the years and, and be part of the experience with you. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. We, we have a guy in our group. Uh, I believe he's a 60 year Clancy Muller. We've talked about him before. Um, he's either 50 or 60, even, I believe. Uh, we're waiting for that next year. Obviously, we were hoping to do that last year. Uh, I've joked with you and Brandy about uh, there better be some sort of red carpet for me going to the lanes, some sort of a giant trophy or something. But uh, just getting your name called, even for the patches, is fun. You know, you're with your teammates and you have a lot of fun with that. But yeah, 25, uh, that's a, that's a big, that's a big, big milestone. I'm proud of that because a lot of people get to a point where, you know, you bowl a few years and I, you know, I may or may not want to bowl when I'm older. Um, I'm still lucky enough to be able to bowl fairly well and have fun with it. I'm planning on going every year until I can't go. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the 25th, uh, 25th year next year. Now you're part of a pretty big group as well. Toby Contreras, right. Keeps everything organized for you guys, a coordinator, captain's club member. So some, uh, definitely some hard work there on, on his part and some great rewards for him. And, and we can't appreciate that enough. Uh, but as far as being part of the group, it, it has to be comforting to be surrounded by folks you're familiar with and friends with. And uh, But sometimes that means somebody can't make it. Somebody new has to go. Uh, what do you do to recruit somebody? What do you tell them about the Open Championships? As you've described very well so far, uh, many of the great things about the event and the venues. Uh, but if you're selling it to somebody who's been kind of wondering what it's like and, and if they want to go for the first time, what's your sales pitch? Well, to the people who have bowled league back home, my first sales pitch is this will be nothing like you've ever bowled on. Now you're going out with your friends. You're going to have a lot of fun. And to be perfectly honest, the lanes are going to be challenging. And uh, one particular guy we brought in, he's, you know, I said, Hey, you, he's a 190 bowler. I said, you might not break 400. And he kind of laughed at me, and he said, oh, I'll, I'll break 400. Well, make a long story short, the last game, he leaves the 1-5 in the 10th frame, takes out the 1, and shoots 399. Mm-hmm. So the sales pitch for him, maybe not as, as good as for other people, but I just try to tell people it, it's it's a vacation. And there's bowling involved, and, but you're with your friends, same people you're with back home. Uh, as you said, hats off to Toby. I, I ran two teams for about 8 to 10 years. And I, I pulled my hair out a lot of times trying to get that together, just 10 people. So him to do 20 or even more, I think, a couple of years, um, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's really hard, and they do a good job with shirts. And, and uh, you know, Sherwin does a lot of the work. I'll, I'll take Toby out of that equation a little bit. But Toby does a lot for bowling. Toby's been around town, um, has one tour title, of course, back in 83, I believe. I was rookie of the year on the PBA tour at the time. And uh, works with USBC, and then now he is actually going to be the new 
Midwest region director of the PBA. So he's taking over for the Webers. So uh, he does a lot to give back to Bowling. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought him up. Um, but my actual sales pitch is more more about being with family, being with your friends, uh, the vacation. And if you do great in bowling, that that's that's you know that's a, a plus. But overall, it, it's about being with your friends. Now, would you know on, on some of these trips, you, you get to take your wife with you, and you guys have even made a road trip of it, uh, driving from where you are to all corners of the country. Uh, you even talked her into bowling with you one time, and uh, I imagine. Uh, that was a fun sales pitch over the open road. Uh, but uh, how did that go? How did it go on the lanes? Uh, and uh, and I noticed maybe she hasn't bowled as much since. Yeah, she's kind of stopped bowling a little bit. She's got some uh, some challenges. Uh, but yeah, actually, there I have got a video. Boy, I wish I had more time. I would have had it queued up for you guys uh, where she shot the 5.710 at Nationals and uh, in, at Reno. And uh, she took out the five seven, uh, didn't take out the ten, but uh, that's somewhere way back in thirteen or fourteen on my Facebook wall. But um, yeah, you know, for me, uh, we we've never taken Gabby along uh, before. It was I kind of just went with the guys, and then uh, I started taking taking her uh, every year. I don't know, the last six or seven years, made it more of a a trip for her and I uh, with Gab. You know, with Gabby's challenges. To be honest, there's very little time we're away from her. One of us. I couldn't tell you the last time one of us wasn't with her. So uh, that makes it challenging for some stuff. Actually, she is at every bowling tournament we do in, in town. She comes to each one. Um, she's kind of our kind of our mascot for the tournaments. All the bowlers love her. She cheers. Actually, when, when I go to the bowling alley to bowl, uh, she cheers against me and for the other guys. And she will tell me in no uncertain terms that I did not bowl well when I didn't bowl well. So. Um, we have, we have a lot of fun with that, but with back to the open championships, um, to me, again, you, you know, the nine games come and go fast, but you spend the, the four or five days, wherever you're at, uh, you know, and the traveling also, which I, I enjoy driving. I like driving to, you know, to Reno or, or to wherever, um, of course it's a long way and you don't get there as fast, but you don't have to mess with when you're, when you're leaving, when you're getting back, flying your bowling balls, I can take as many as I want. Um, a lot of advantages to driving. I did the same thing when I bowled on tour. Um, I just drove everywhere. I just felt like, you know, there's a lot of country I saw that I never would have seen. So, Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, the ability to drive and, and kind of get to experience all that. I, and I know, you know, we had the video from 2017, but uh, I believe that tournament had a few extra tournaments tied to it as well. You bowled a few of the senior majors along with that, right? Uh, I think I started that maybe an 18, but I'm not sure. Maybe it was 17, but either way, yeah, I tied in the, the senior masters and the senior U S open as they coincided. Actually, that was Toby's uh, thing because Toby would schedule our event uh, right after both of those events. So uh, he could bowl those also. So uh, that's the only reason I bowled because they were in the same venue. Um, I always wanted to bowl some, some stuff, maybe some senior PBA stuff, but, Never really had the chance. I still like to bowl like a, a regular tournament, maybe where the shot's not quite as hard. The the open and the masters, uh, especially the open, is is brutal. Right. Uh, even even for the seniors, they they don't make it easy, and that's the way it should be. And I, I, I definitely feel that way. But yeah, tying those in, I had two two different times uh, that I've stayed in Vegas for three weeks there and bowled all three. 
And uh, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. And actually, I think one year, maybe even 2017, uh, it, you know, by the, by the time nationals come around, you should be sharp after bowling the, the masters in the U S open. So um, a lot of good memories from, you know, from those tournaments and a lot of guys, you know, that I never see a lot of guys that I have on the bowler show that, you know, I never would see in person. And uh, it was nice catching up with a lot of the guys. Yeah. Aaron and I both love Reno, uh, potentially for similar or different reasons. Uh, I was very disappointed, of course, that I was only there for six days in 2020 and that we did not get a chance to unveil the newly remodeled stadium to all of the bowlers. Uh, it was awesome. Our office was not next to the bathroom, uh, which was a huge plus. It was close enough, uh, but uh, it was not in the same location. So I was looking forward to that. Um, we'll get there soon enough. Maybe we'll go visit just for fun, but uh, looking ahead now to 2021, we've had the year off a chance to regroup in, in many regards, uh, but also a chance to, to miss the event, to miss the camaraderie, the travel. Uh, and now we'll have back-to-back years in our other home away from home, South Point Bowling Plaza in Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of cool things there uh, about that facility, just about the neighborhood uh, and about Las Vegas in general. But as we get ready and get back to it just a couple months away what are you most looking forward to uh, about being back at the event in general and of course being back at south point and las vegas uh seeing seeing you guys of course that's number one on my list uh number two you know it, it obviously it's strange you feel like you know you haven't bowled it forever now just because you had one year off but uh getting back out there as you said the 25th year is going to be special too but just getting out back on the lanes and and you know, South Point, uh, a different venue. It's not, you know, it's not a convention center either. It's, it's a, you know, it's a bowling alley and it's, it's, I just, I prefer, I, you know, if you look back on your, on your sheet there, I think if you'll look at most of those, uh, maybe not all, but any of the, you know, Baton Rouge, some of the billing, this, I, I wish you wouldn't show those, but uh, not as well uh, acclimated maybe as uh, to Reno and, and South Point. I, I prefer bowling in those or I just have more fun. And uh, I don't know. I, I think I've done better overall, but I'm looking forward to just getting back with the guys again. You know, you have 20 teams, you have 100 people uh, from your city, mostly. Not everybody's from the Kansas City area in his group, but a lot of them are. A lot of the guys that I've bowled with for uh, many years out there, and uh, you know, just just competing again. And and may, you know, you always think, hey, this is the year I'm gonna gonna break through, and and maybe this will be the year, and maybe you guys will. Uh, out uh, the secret Wisconsin shot for us, or uh, you know, uh, maybe get on an end pair and you'll take care of us. I know that's all conspiracy stuff, but um, uh, maybe this is the year. Every year, you think it's it's kind of like uh, sports teams that start the start of the year, thinking, "Hey, this is going to be our year." You, you think the same thing as a bowler when you go out there, you prepare hard, and then when you get out there, um, you get punched in the face the first game, and then it's over. Well, Aaron knows a little bit about that. He's a Cubs fan. Uh, so, but again, it finally was their year. It happened. Uh, so you never know. When you least expect it, you get surrounded by the right guys or just the right situation. Uh, it's a great reason to keep coming back. We certainly appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you out there. Uh, now, we've seen it in the chat throughout the show. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, but uh, where's the petition? Where do we sign to have the Bowler Show return? in 2021 uh, so we can talk bowling uh, maybe maybe sunday's not the day maybe it is uh but a chance to talk oc talk bowling and to get some of those guests uh, back on the air and, and on the airwaves for you well that's that's probably the trickiest 
thing about the show is it's on Sunday. And we put it late enough, you know, at 5 o'clock our time to cover most of the tournaments we do, but not all of them. So if it comes back, it might be a little later. It might be like 6 to 8 because we run so many tournaments on Sunday. Occasionally I'll bowl a tournament on Sunday, and there's a little bit of travel. So it's hard to get back to the studio in time. Uh, obviously, we need to get back, get past all this all this COVID stuff that we got going on to see what we're going to do for sure. But I've talked to my partner and uh, he's getting the itch just to do, you know, his, his sports show. And as we said, it gets us uh, the contacts to get us into the the Royals games and the the press box at the chiefs and stuff like that. Um, I I won't lie. That was a very good perk that we had for probably about 10 years. And uh, that was fun. And you saw a lot of people, uh, in the you know both organizations that you would never see and being in the locker rooms and stuff like that, of course, was a lot of fun. Um, and not to get too far off on that, I want to I want to point out one interview I had uh, with a gentleman named Roy Firestone. Now, he was on ESPN for thirty years with a show called Up Close. He did a thirty minute interview show and he interviewed everybody. And I struck up a friendship with him on Facebook somehow, and I asked him, "Hey, would you uh, want to come on the show?" And one time he said, "Yeah." So he came on, he talked for 40 minutes, could have talked forever, has amazing stories about uh, uh, sports in general and all the people he's met. And that just that just makes me think about all the contacts I've made because of the bowler show and because of the sports schmuck show that I would that just never would have happened. But uh, to to put a specific time or date, I have no idea. That would depend more on my partner also, who is out on the road a lot. Um, he's got to be there pretty much for the technical stuff, as I said, but. If I had to guess, I would probably shoot for fall or winter of next year. We'll probably do another kind of like we've done three or four year run. And that'll probably be, probably be it. But, uh, you know, obviously no guarantees on anything, but that's, that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, you know, I miss it. I, I don't miss the, you know, rushing around on Sundays when I've got other stuff going on, but I do miss interacting with the bowlers and, and giving them that venue to talk about bowling. Well, we will keep an eye out for the news release and the social media posts and we'll be ready. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't blow up too big and, and you still have some time for me or us, or you want to upgrade and get Aaron Smith, uh, we'll just look forward to talking about bowling. But in the meantime, you know, you mentioned uh, that you're running these events uh, as we wind down 2020, anything big on the horizon for you and, and your tournaments, any wacky formats or just uh, anything you want to talk about before we go? Well, we've got, uh, our grand finale, we, we have a tournament at the end of the year where uh, $6,500 is going to be added to this last tournament that basically the bowlers have paid for all year. Uh, that's on the 19th. And then um, we have a doubles tournament right after that. And then January 1, 2, and 3, we have a triple header because New Year's Day has fallen on the first this year on, on the Friday. Not falling on the first. Of course, it falls on the first. But it's falling on a Friday this year, so it's allowed us to do a triple header. Uh, we're doing a scratch tournament on the first, a uh, regular singles tournament on the second, and then a doubles tournament on the third. So we've got a lot of stuff planned this year, uh, nothing really wacky. You know, we'll have an over-under 40, over-under 50, senior, ladies, stuff like that. But uh, that that is my passion right now. I'm glad we're kind of kind of wrapping it up on that. That's something that, um, in a way, you know, you, you feel like, hey, you know, you, you're doing it. And, of course, you're making a little bit of money at the time. You're not making much, but you're making a little bit. But you're, you're, the interactions you have with the bowlers, and, and we have, I don't know, probably 1,500, 2,000 bowlers in our database that have bowled at least one tournament with us over the last four years. 
um, probably a thousand different bowlers last year that bowled. So we've got a lot of people from a lot of surrounding areas that, that bowl and, uh, you know, we appreciate them. You know, we can't do it without them. And, and it's, it gives you, it gives you thought about, Hey, uh, you know, there's not really a lot of other stuff to bowl. I'm sure somebody else could, could run tournaments if we weren't or would run tournaments if we weren't, but it's nice to be able to do them and, and interact with bowlers. A lot of bowlers that, you know, you, you don't bowl in league with or whatever, and, and you get to see them. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, I want to thank Luke Rostall, who is here uh, as my technical person today here and who said all this stuff and we're in, we're in his studio. Um, and I'm not just saying this because he's with my brand of storm, but he does the best ball videos that you'll see on the internet. Um, as far as I know, Luke, it's just, you just search your name on YouTube and, and subscribe. And he just describes things differently and, and, and tells it like it is. He doesn't say every ball, you know, Hey, this ball goes long and hits hard. And, and uh, he just does a great job of describing it. And, and he's thrown right and left-handed and has uh, his wife throw too. So you see some different ball motions. So he does a great job. I just want to give him a shout out for uh, allowing me to come in here and make this a, a lot easier to do. We appreciate that. We'll certainly check that out and see what he's been up to. And, and Waz, I'm glad you're doing well. We appreciate your hard work. Uh, it does sound like you won't be coming to work with us at the Open Championships anytime soon, but maybe down the road a couple of years, as we've talked about. Uh, so looking forward to that possibility. Aaron Smith, before we call it a day, any final thoughts or questions uh, for this young man? Absolutely. We're just started right now. But, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, you know, and, and it's always great to see uh, – you go live more than most folks do with uh, with the tournaments as well. When when folks are making a run at three hundred or uh, you know title match things of that nature, so that's always fun to see when that pops up on the timeline. Uh, just showcasing bowling uh, is always a good thing, especially in these times. So we're very appreciative for that. Tell my guy Ryan Burke to uh, strike a little bit more and get get more of those. Uh, so he, he's a phenomenal bowler. Got to watch him a lot collegiately. He's had some success at the OC too. Uh, but yeah, you know, Waz, it's uh, it's been way too long since we've had this opportunity to chat. Uh, so I was really looking forward to today's show. I wanted to uh, just let you know the reason the Bears did not pick Patrick Mahomes was so you guys could wait, or he was waiting for you guys a few spots down the road, so you guys could enjoy that success. Uh, when you guys were talking about the optimism of each season, uh, as a Bears fan as well, that just gets shot down each and every year. So I'm glad you're getting to experiencing that. Uh, but yeah, it's just great to see you. Hopefully uh, please send our best to Kim and Gabby as well. And uh, yeah, we, we just can't wait to see you for number 25, but. Well, I, I appreciate uh, you guys believing in, in Mitchell Trubisky. Um, that is, I mean, that may, that may propel us to an incredible decade. Uh, I know, you know, it's hard. It was hard for a Chiefs fan. We've gone 50 years with, with nothing. Um, I believe, what, 85 was the last Bears uh, title. You, you guys got back once against uh, Indianapolis. Is that correct? Indy in 2006, yep. Yeah, so it, it's hard as a fan. Uh, and then also I appreciate everything you guys have said today. And also uh, you guys do a lot for bowling. And as Matt and I talked off air, it's not always positive things that people are talking about. And sometimes you got to deal with a negative and you guys do a great job with that. And, and you, uh, you guys probably get no credit uh, from where you're at. I, I don't know exactly, you know, how 
things are going or how you're treated or whatever, but you guys should, it should be known that you guys give back a lot too. You guys give a lot of time. Um, I don't even know that, you know, the first squad used to start at 7 a.m. and would end at uh, 3 a.m. sometimes on, on some days. So uh, I don't know how you guys do it, but you guys do a great job of covering the open championships and, and it should be said. We appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. Feel free to tell everybody uh, and hopefully they'll believe you. Um, but thank you for that. Certainly, thanks for joining us on today's show. And for all the folks tuning in on Bowl TV, uh, on Facebook, uh, we certainly appreciate it. And uh, this, again, was our final show of 2020 here on Inside the OC. We'll be back in 2021 with some great guests. And uh, not too far down the road, straight from the South Point Bowling Plaza in Las Vegas. Uh, hopefully everything gets to where we can do that safely and, and, and on time. And looking forward to that and, and seeing everybody back on the lanes. Uh, coming up next week on Bowl TV, we've got the PWBA podcast on Monday. Aaron Smith and Jason Thomas will talk with Hall of Famer Fran Deacon. Looking forward to that. Always like to sit down with Fran and hear some of the stories. She's uh, like the Carmen Salvino of the PWBA tour. Uh, just some great, great stuff. Looking forward to hearing uh, all about that. Uh, but for now, uh, we had a great show. We talked bowling. We talked football. We, we talked about it all, and uh, we caught up. Uh, with with a great ambassador for the sport, David Waswo, uh, and look forward to what's coming up in 2021. Folks, for the last time here in 2020, that's the news for now. We'll see you on the links.